Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I hope you're glad to hear our, our, our preacher today. And I'm not talking about me. I'm excited to hear Brother Adam Beyer. He's going to bring the word today. Won't you, won't you give Brother Adam a Beyer a welcome as he comes? <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. All right, let's keep giving that praise and that worship to God. He deserves it. Thank you, Lord. Am I on back there? So worthy. Thank you. So worthy. Thank you, Lord. Can you hear me? Might need to just okay. All right. Thank you, Lord, again. Oh, you know, um, now it's hot. Okay. Uh, the ministry team, you know, was able to go down to Myrtle Beach uh, for a. Uh, a ministry meeting and uh, so I think we're all we're all pretty uh, juiced today and and feeling the power of the Holy Spirit you know um, I felt love from these brothers um, that I haven't felt in a long time God is so good and what he is doing in this church is an amazing thing. He really is changing lives. He really is a way maker when we don't see a way. And uh, I am here to proclaim to you just how awesome our God is, how worthy he is of our love, of our faithfulness. Mm. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know, I want to steal a line from Pastor. He always says, you know, I want to get a hold of God today. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Because I think it's so important that we really hear what God is telling us. that we allow our hearts and our minds to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us. You know, the title of my message is The Truth About Love. And before we get started, I want us to all bow for a word of prayer. And I really want us to invite God to speak to us. We, we need to prepare our hearts. And I know Pastor gave a great message that I know spoke to me. And the worship was amazing. But I make sure that we, we quiet our hearts. We quiet our minds. And we allow him to have his way. So let's just pray now. Lord Jesus. Lord, we come before you. 
We can do nothing apart from you, but in you, we can do all things, Lord. And today I pray specifically that we would know your love and that it would stir in us and there would be a response in us to love you back the way you have loved us in a sacrificial way, in a way that, that shows just how much we love you because you have commanded us to love you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our strength, with our souls. So I pray that that would be true in us. We wouldn't just know that commandment for what it is, but it would be true in us. Lord, use me. I don't have the word. You have the word. It is your word that I want to flow through me. Let it be edifying to this body, Lord. May it be glorifying to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, God truly is moving in this place. He's, he's moving in this church. And if we allow him to keep stirring in us, we are going to reap the benefits of it. And this isn't uh, a part of my message. I just felt led to, um, to dig into the word this way. Hebrews 4 starting in verse 7, and I love the title, Jesus, the ultimate object of faith. It says in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the, day, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. Yeah. Exhort one another daily. While it is called today, yeah. lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Lest our hearts be hardened through our sin that deceives us into thinking that we are, we are good, we are okay, we are right with God. And this isn't to, to come down hard. He does this, right, out of his love for us. He says, I love you so much, I want you to be right with me. I want you to recognize and realize and embrace this love that I have for you. This love must be found in us. Again, while it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. So I just pray that we would not harden our hearts, but be sensitive to what the Spirit has to say to us. You know, the same um, idea just kind of echoes through the book of Hebrews. This idea that we must allow God to soften our hearts. You know, I was thinking about, you know, that 
that first commandment, the very first thing that God commanded us to do, to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I remember um, growing up, um, walking with the Lord, and I, I always thought, man, that just seems like an incredible, I mean, how, how is that possible? I mean, that's just, it's not natural, right? And this word keeps coming up, and I'm, uh, I'm starting to understand what it means. You know, it's supernatural. Yes. Yes. You know, that love for God doesn't come naturally in us, but it comes when the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? When we are found in Christ, his, his love is found in us, and then we have that love for him. Yeah. And it's that same kind of love that he gave us. It's a sacrificial love. You know, it's, it says in Matthew 22 and 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. I ponder this uh, scripture often. Just what is it that separates the two? And I'm sure pastor probably can give a better explanation. So forgive me if this isn't true. But I just feel like, you know, God is, is saying, it's those that love me that will be the chosen. Because I have called you. I've called each and every one of you. But it's in your response to me. It's in your love of me that you will be called the chosen. So we must have that softened heart. Again, it doesn't come naturally. It comes when we come to an altar of repentance and say, Lord, I can't do this apart from you. And we get right with God. We say, I want a new heart. I want to be made new. You know, this idea that, you know, when we come to Christ, we are a new creation in him. Not a better version of who we used to be. Right. Not a better version. We are completely made new. Amen. Amen. That old man has passed away. Let it go. Don't, don't go back to that old way of thinking. Don't go back and don't, don't allow those old things to keep stirring in our hearts. We are made new in him. That is why he says we are born again. That, that doesn't make sense. But it does. If you know that the living God lives in you. And it's not you that's living any longer, right? That scripture that says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's not me. I'm telling you, it's not me. It's him working in me, living in me. And he wants to live in each and every one of you. Yes. Each and every one of us. We must love him and love his word. Getting back to that idea of a hardened heart. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, looking at the microwave and I was... God put... God laid this on my heart, you know, this idea of thawing something that's been frozen, right? It's hard. It needs to be softened in order for us to use it and in order for God to use us. This fleshly heart of mine has to be softened to the point where he can mold it 
and shape it in his image. We must allow him to soften our hearts. You know, and there's many things that we face in life that harden this heart. You know, the bitterness, the pain of suffering for whatever reason. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe it's a, med- a mental ailment. Um, but God can change all of that. Yes. Our God is a mighty God. Yes. Yes. My wife gave me a, um, a key word today, and it was, um, I guess, found in her uh, Bible study for the kids, and it was prioritize. What is it that we prioritize in this life? Do we prioritize God above all other things? Do we prioritize our love for God? You know, in Revelation, it talks to the churches. This is the final book of the Bible. This is to prepare us for what we're about to face, the truth, the reality of things. And I believe we are living in the end times. Now, we don't know the exact time that God's going to come back, but that time draws near. And so I think it's important that we look And we see what is written in the book of Revelation. You know, Revelation in the Greek means apocalypsis uh, or an unveiling. And uh, and today I hope that God reveals what his word is trying to get us to understand. In Revelation 1 and 3 it says, Blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Hmm. I want us to pray again. I want us to pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit moves in us. Lord, have your way, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Soften our hearts, Lord. Let us to feel you in a powerful new way. Jesus. Jesus' name. Revelation 2 and 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. This is specifically to us. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If we're able to hear what is being said and respond accordingly, we will be in the midst of paradise with him when it's all said and done. This is the truth about love. Again, in Revelation 1 and 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. It is by his love that we are saved. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins 
in his own blood. It's that mighty blood. It's that precious blood that covers us. And we often forget about the cross where that blood was shed. We like to think about it um, during Easter. We like to be reminded of that cross, but then we like to just kind of live our life separate from that truth, the truth of that love and what it took. You know, God decided to robe himself in flesh and it's, it's hard to believe that, that he would do that for us. You know, sometimes I, I always think, well, because he, he was God in the flesh, that somehow it was easy for him or it was easier or he, he, he somehow was able to persevere. But he was in the flesh. He totally experienced everything. All the pain, all the suffering. It is by his stripes that we are healed. This is the cost of that blood. And I pray that we would not forget it. So I want us to hear three things today. I want us to focus on God's love for us, our love for him, and our love for others. So in Romans 5, 8, and 10, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, there's that blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. John 3 and 16 said, For for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you a believer in this God? Do you believe in his love that was poured out for us? Do you believe in what this love has done for us? This unconditional love that has set us free. We didn't earn this love, but he freely gave of himself. It was a selfless love that drove him to the cross, that drove him to be obedient to the cross. And just as he was obedient to the cross, we must be obedient to dying to ourself. It's this perfect love that has given us freedom from our sin. We have been set free. John 8 and 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is the truth about his love. This is the truth that that we know. This is the truth that will make us free. You know, in Isaiah 61, 1 and 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to 
to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. This is what love looks like. Hmm. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. You know, <clears throat> I was thinking about just how powerful God's love is for us. And it's, it's nice to be able to rest in that love. It's nice to, to be able to live in that love and to feel what, what it does for us. But I was just reminded that, you know, when it comes to our love for him, it needs to be that same sacrificial love that I mentioned. It does take effort on our part. It does take commitment. It does take faithfulness to his word and to his will. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we must endure and keep and keep on living for him. Continue to be faithful to the very end. This is how we will show that we love God. And we must elevate our love for him. Mark 12, 29 and 30 uh, said this, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So here's the question, do we love him like this? Is this love found in us? You know, we can put nothing before him, just as the scripture says. Oftentimes we love many things or we say that we love many things. I think I'm trying to get away from saying I have a love for this, that, or the other thing. I can't say that I love football or love whatever. I don't even want to say that. Uh, the only love that I want to have is the love for God, the love for my wife, the love for others. Um, it can't just be a part of who we are. You know, I was thinking about bringing in some props, a big bag of who we are and pulling out various things, you know, things in the past that I think I really did love. You know, I can't have... Well, this, that, or the other thing, football or hunting or whatever the case may be, Facebook or shopping might be for you. 
and then buried down deep, I can't pull out love for God and say, I've, I've got this love. What are, you, what are you talking about? I've got this love. But it needs to be all of who we are. The love of God needs to be all-encompassing. It needs to permeate who we are. We must love him with all that we have. We must love him with our finances, with our gifts, with our talents, with our time. And the mistake that we can make in thinking uh, that all these gifts are for us. No, he gave us these gifts so that we can give back to him. So are we loving God this way? Are we using the talents that he has given us for his glory? Because it's a matter of the heart, just as Pastor had said earlier. And he's trying to change our hearts. He's trying to reveal what's in our hearts. What is it that we truly love? Jesus. Hmm. So it's the love of God. It's our love for him. And it's the love of others. These next scriptures really kind of combines both. The love of God and the, and the love of others all in one. John 21, 15 and 17 says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, said to him, feed my sheep. So this scripture is a perfect example of our need to love God through loving others. Yes. Essentially, God is saying that I will know your love for me by your love for others. Yes. By your sacrificial love of others. Laying down your life, yes. your gifts, your talents to bless those around you. To bless the body and to save the lost. This is how we know that we love him. Scripture tells us that faith without works is dead, and in that same vein, I believe that love without works is dead. We can't just stop at God's love for us, but this love must push us to respond with that obedience and that repentance we must have the same sacrificial love for him and for others that he has for us. 1 John 3 and 16 through 19, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There it is. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And when we do this, we shall assure our hearts before him. We shall assure our hearts. 
that we do have that proper love for him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us this commandment. From the beginning to the very end of the word of God, the Bible tells us about his love. In Deuteronomy, God tells us that there is no other God before him or beside him. Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to, commit, and to keep the commandments of the Lord in his statutes, which I command, for, which I command you today for good. Love is at the heart of it all. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 13 says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. God's love for us will never fail. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. We must have this love. Right. It speaks to, at the very end there, it talks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, that is when I understood the love of God and the love that needs to be in me. (laughs) Getting back to what that love is all about, it suffers long, it is kind, and it does not envy, it does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, it does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. I'm going to be raw and vulnerable with you guys today. With the help of the Lord. You know, I felt such conviction when I was reading this scripture recently 
because I proclaimed to love my wife. But I wasn't loving her this way. I was provoked. I was rude. I looked to feed my flesh. I looked to feed. It was all about making sure that I felt right and I felt settled. And, and yet, that's not what God shows us here in his word. Sacrificial love means dying to yourself. This is what my heart is saying, that I need this or I want this or I desire this. But God is saying no. Right. No, this is what love, true love, looks like. Yeah. And it means dying to yourself in place of someone else. It means elevating. Elevating that other person, their needs above your needs. Elevating God's needs above our needs. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And now, verse 13. 13. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, the final truth about love is that you cannot love two masters. There's one love that is above all others. And we must have this love in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Luke 16 and 13 says this, No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is how we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves in thinking, I have love for God. It's, I have it. You can't tell me that I don't. But we can only love one master. And that is why we need to get this in our hearts. In the end, his word emphasizes the importance of love and repentance. That's what the book of Revelation talks about over and over and over again. And we know that scripture that talks, you have left your first love. You used to love me. You proclaimed your love for me. But you have left it. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says, and this is the New Living Translation, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Revelation 3 and 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. There's that basic need of all of us. That's what shows what true love is. 
when you're willing to die to yourself, when you're willing to repent and turn away and truly let that old man go and walk in newness of life. That is when we can say the love of God is in us because that's when we will be found in him and he will be found in us. Romans 8 and 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Again, we must be found in Him, and this happens when we are filled with His presence, filled with the Holy Ghost. This is where that love comes from. It's that supernatural love that allows us to love Him with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with all that we are. Yes. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. There it is. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick. May we repent this day and get right with God. Give him our love. Give him our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second John 1 and 6 says, And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Let's all stand and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how you're softening this heart of mine, Lord, how you're filling me with your love so that I can have more love for others and more love for you, so that I can be used by you, Lord, to grow your kingdom, Lord. Help us now to embrace what it means to truly repent and turn away from this world and all the things of this world and desire you above all other things. Lord, we know that this is a supernatural thing that has to take place. But we know that we will find it if we surrender ourselves to you. So I pray now today that we will hear his voice and harden not our hearts and look to get right with him. Repent. Turn away and embrace the love that God has for us. I ask all of this now. The altars are open to get right with God, to feel his love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 